0: Let's keep it moving kids. We're burning daylight. Amen. Well bless God. Are we ready? Okay, let me just say to you right now, right up front before we start. I make no apologies for covering any ground that I mentioned last week because I believe that repetition is one of the greatest teachers we ever have. Secondly, I make no apologies for the pace that I might speak at. The reason being is Pastor Tony's back next week. I don't get week three, so I've got to get it all covered. So I will encourage you to either get the CD, download the podcast, do something so that you get the entire picture. Is that all right? Yes? So if we're ready, then we'll begin. Last week, we touched on the law of spiritual gravity. What goes up must come down, but where God's concerned, what is down must go up. Well, building in the entire context of saying that you and I can live the days of heaven on earth. Well, thank you. We can live and experience the days of heaven on earth. We're not just waiting to die, but we can press into where he is. Now, if you remember, one of the key scriptures we use from John 16 declared this. In that day, you will no longer ask for anything. Verily, I tell you, the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. And then it gave the breakdown of Jesus saying that the father loves you. You can go on your own behalf. I won't ask for you. You go and ask. And remember what Paul has said this morning and what Pastor Tony covered on Thursday. We take the word he has spoken. We hear it. We respond in our hearts. We sow it back. Jesus texts that word and says, father, this is the word that we declared to them. We have to move because we must fulfill our own promises. Yes. But the problem is you and I step out of alignment or out of position or religion or the system has told us that either you're not good enough, clean enough, know enough, old enough, good looking enough, thin enough, whatever, to be able to say that God is not speaking to you, he must always be speaking to somebody else. Jesus Christ said, until now, you have not asked. It's time that you and I start asking for some things that we felt were over and above us, Amen. We started to cover last week the speed of transition. In transition, we're seeing that there is so much being said, it seems that God has almost turned up the wheel on the hamster. You know, when you think, I'm like that, I'm moving quicker and quicker, and so many things are being said. Remember three key steps. Because, you know, for some of us, well, let's put it this way, some have been out of school longer than others. And when you've been out of school for a while, it takes away... a it takes a while to re-engage the learning process. You and I are called to be lifelong learners. Why? Because God is continually revealing himself, is building what he is, is shaping us and molding us. So we need the, the capacity to be able to not only take his word, to retain it, but do something with it. Now, hence the reason I said before, we are not looking to be informed, we are looking to be transformed. So we don't find out about position, we don't find out about healing, we don't find out about the artesian well. So that we can go to the pub quiz and somebody said, there is a number, A. A, what A is there? There is a type of well, known A, that would burst from its own resources. What is it? I know that one, Billy. It's an artesian well. The artesian well is God showing us that we're moving into something. He's moving in so that there is a response. So we said we can keep it really, really simple. I do simple. I like simple. Ask Kev. I do simple. The Holy Spirit stirs. I say yes in my heart. It's his job to bring understanding. He speaks. I say yes. And then I say, now you better show me what you're talking about. And that process can be this short or the process can be six months later. I'm still waiting for it. But my heart still said yes to him. Paul turned around and said before, didn't he, about the whole process of this whole thing about the head. That sometimes the head gets in the way. I thought as soon as Paul said that, I wonder why that's why Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Because he says, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I have no problem with this. You follow where the head says go. But the difference is when I want to try and work everything out in my own thought processes, I want to try and have my own philosophies and understanding to be able to set in place everything that God says. Yes, we say, and the word of God came to me this morning and said this. Ah, yes, but I did read an Internet article yesterday that said something else. Remember, the problems that you and I will face are not unique. Peter on the roof when he gets the vision of Cornelius and we see the sheet lowered down from heaven, full of food. And God says, arise and eat. So who's speaking? God's speaking. And what was his response? Moses said that I shouldn't do this. And God says, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm the boss. There will always be something that we use to try and overwrite what God is saying. And it sounds perfectly spiritual. Yes, but I've always been brought up that this is the way Moses said. And God says, it's no longer the way I am saying. So there are things that we will face, things that we will go through that will almost challenge some of the things that we've always been brought up with. Why? Because... Not telling tales out of school. We're not telling tales out of school, but we give a process. When, do you remember when Pastor Tony said, what kind of believer are we? We are progressive. We are not blaming a generation, but you can see how things have moved forward. Gwen, I'm sorry you keep nodding at me, so I'm going to use you. Having a conversation with Gwen, and we talked about years ago, one of the teachings that would be in the church was, if you're at the cinema and Jesus Christ turns up, you're not going. If you're in the cinema, and Jesus Christ, the second coming comes, you are staying in the cinema, because you're nothing but a dirty sinner. But, caveat, small print, terms and conditions, always read the six-point text. But if it's a Christian film, like the Ten Commandments, you'll get in, because at least it's speaking about something where God's concerned. Yes? Now, can you imagine that being taught with that and being raised to turn around and say, it's okay, you can go into that environment. Does that not cause conflict? So there are things that you and I will be brought up with that have been part of our Christian walks. Many of us come from different backgrounds, from different fields, from different churches, from different denominations and, and kind of affiliations in some way. That there will always be something that's going to rub you up the wrong way. But when that comes into your heart and your heart says yes, get this out of the way and then let God bring us into understanding. Is that all right? Young guys and older guys and everyone below young, wherever you are on the spectrum... There was a word before and people were sharing testimony of saying, and I got the gift of tongues and I was flowing in tongues and I got a fresh filling of tongues and it was going through my head and it was the first time I thanked God that I didn't go to sleep hearing Tom, but I went to sleep hearing you, Lord, yeah? All that stuff, tongues is only the beginning. It is the gateway to everything else. Don't seek tongues, seek utterance. Utterance is over and above that. Not only do we understand what we're saying, but there is a greater clarity and depth. But that's for another day, or we'll get sidetracked. Those of us who were here last week, we all remember Percy Panda, do we not? Put your hand up if you remember Percy Panda, or you were here last week for Percy Panda, because I don't need to model it too much. But let's go to Exhibit A Percy Panda, okay? those who weren't here thinking you know what are you talking about right i said and i was a little bit naughty on past on thursday when pastor tony was ministering in Authentic. i sent him an email while he's doing authentic so i had please advise you i have a habit of sending emails at ridiculous times as em would know so he's preaching and i went you skank stop nicking what i'm preaching on sunday And here's my notes, just in case you think I've copied, right? So for any of you think I'm just copying what Pastor Tony said, I thank God we have the same spirit and the same God that's moving. But here's the place. We were talking, and Pastor Tony was talking about spiritual position, yes? Hence, Exhibit A, Percy Panda. Percy Panda is you or I, represents you or I, okay? Now, here's the key thing. You might think we're playing on semantics, and you might just think you're over-egging the pudding. If you get hold of this, it will transform your prayer life, your understanding, okay? That is, the scripture tells me that when I accept Jesus Christ as my own personal savior, he comes to live and dwell in me. Would that be right? Am I on Bible? I don't need to go to all the verses. We've covered it. If you want Bible verses, I'll give them to you later. So it says that inside of me, Jesus Christ dwells. Would that be true? Yeah. So Jesus lives inside Percy Panda. Has to be Percy Panda. I wish it was something else, but we're on Percy Panda. Okay. Jesus then declares, he says that where I make my home, John's Gospel, the Father makes his home also. So would it be fair to say that the Father comes to live where Jesus Christ is? Yep. Yeah. Percy Panda's getting pretty big. This is a house of multiple occupancy. Yes? Then Jesus Christ also declares that I have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of my inheritance that have been left and deposited inside of me. Would that be true? Are we still looking Bible? So inside of me, the entire Trinity, the deity of the Godhead, dwells in me. Wow. Percy Panda... He's getting pretty full because Jesus lives in me. The Father lives in me. The Holy Ghost lives in me. And if we had another Percy, we could bring in, but it'd be too big for the building. I am then found in him. Yes. Don't get too confusing because that can be for another day. But all of this dwells in me. We then made the statement that Jesus Christ is the what of the church? The head of the church. And we pointed out that this is not some kind of decapitated floating head, but the head must be attached to the... What are we? So would it be fair to say that where the head is, the body must be also? Would that be fair? Yes? So we're not stretching truth too much here, are we? We're not trying to find things that are not there. So here's the thing. Experientially, I'm here... With Jesus Christ living in me, the Father living in me, the Holy Ghost living in me, each one has a work. But spiritually, where is Jesus Christ seated? In the heavenly places. Again, we have all the scriptural references if you want to know. So what does that mean? If I am attached to the head and the head is sat in heavenly places... Where am I? So my position changed. So I am not seated just here today in downtown Drawsden. Experientially, I'm here with Christ dwelling in me, the Father dwelling in me, the Holy Ghost dwelling in me. I also live in a different environment in the heavenly places Where where he functions, I function. Where he functions, I function. I'm not there to say, haven't I got this fantastic position of looking down from heaven? I'm seated with him for a reason. Yes? To be doers and not just hearers. This is your starting place. Stop trying to impress God to try and get to where He is. You're already there. The moment I accept Jesus Christ as my own personal Saviour, He sits me here. It doesn't say, right, well, if you can stick it out for uh, six months and you've been baptised, once you've been baptised and you've got a certificate and you've, you've been through the stuff and you've had a couple of months in authentic and you've been through the foundation course, then what we're going to do is we're going to start this process of moving you from here, and it's snakes and ladders because now I've got one step up, two step up, three step up. Oh, I went back down the snake. Oh, I better start again. So I spend all my life trying to get to this position This is your starting position. If you get that, everything changes. Everything. But I will tell you, the system will propagate, religion will propagate. You are never getting there. It's always about the man of power for the hour. It's always about the one man ministry. It's always about, it's all falling apart, but don't worry kids, I just turned up. Please. The position that we have is that we lay in hold of him. We are here with a new role. That I may know him and the power of the resurrection. I build intimacy with all three dynamics. The Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. Don't just think it's a Jesus only gospel. Oh, it's me and Jesus and I just love him and I have this vision of us skipping along in the meadows together. You can't have one without all three. Because at salvation they all came to live. So if you send him one invite, it better be to all three people and not just one coming to the party. You know what I'm talking about? He starts to work within us and changes. Amen. We also started to state that when we read the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, like school, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's a declaration of war. Because you're saying straight from there, my dad's bigger than your dad, and my dog is bigger than your dog. Our Father, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we started to declare that what is in heaven that is not here. And we read the scripture from Revelation 12. And there was war in heaven. And Satan and his angels waged war against who? Michael, thank you. Somebody's done the homework. He waged war against Michael. God is not involved in the scrap. Jesus is not involved in the fight. The Holy Ghost is not involved in the fight because God just has to go, you're gone and you're gone. Creation is never going to overthrow God. Yes? So he's passed down, he's cast out of the presence. And then there is the wonderful scripture declares this. And there was no place found for him. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. There was no place found for him. There is no place found for him. There can be no place found for him. We don't want to get caught up on something because we'd be right on a tangent and a very nice rabbit trail I would have too of being over there. But why would God ever declare to man in the garden, subdue and have dominion when everything is subdued? He's cast from there to here and God says, what was established there, make it my home here and make no place for him. The Apostle Paul turns around and says, And do not give the enemy any foothold, opportunity, or ground in your life. No place, no place, no place. My position is here. The enemy continually wants to tell me, you're not good enough, you know, you screwed up yesterday, you thought like that, you spoke to her wrong, you you thought about this, oh, you had that funny thought, didn't you, when you saw that lady? All of those bits that are common to all are all the things that will disqualify us and tell us that this is not our position. But God says, what has that got to do with you? Your righteousness, your purity, your transparency... Did not get you there. It might keep and help your footing whilst you're there, but everything was about the work that he did, not what you have to attain to get to here. Does that make sense? Does this help? Now, there's a good news. The good news is it's talking to every single one of us doesn't matter how old, how young. The good news is, remember what God said. Do you remember what I said to you before, right at the start of the meeting, that God has been given us stepping stones? And especially this year, they seem to have been coming so thick and fast and so clear, aligned, adjusted, and approved. So he's talking about a three-step process. Now, I've aligned you. I approve you. Yes, we're adjusted. So we're adjusted so that we can be approved. I've changed your position. This is how you start to function. This is how I'm moving. Now again, thought for any of those who'd like to be or love to study the word of God. The great thing, think how I say this. The great thing about the flood and Noah. The promise comes to Noah of what God is going to do that is going to bring judgment on the world, yes? He's going to cause the flood to come. When the flood started, remember, read the book of Genesis, it had never, ever rained. People didn't know what rain was. The ground was fed and watered by the dew or by water that came from the ground to make sure that everything was there. Rain wasn't in. But it says this, And on the day of the great flood... The fountains of the earth broke forth, and then the windows of heaven opened. When you and I respond to what God's saying, and something births up in here and starts to break out, God can't help but respond. Heaven comes down when you first broke out. Remember again, I heard the word, I believed, I sowed it in the spirit, Christ hears the word and says, my father, we must respond back in kind because that was our promise. The promise doesn't come until you and I change in here and start to declare. I inclined my ear, my ear, I inclined my ear, that's great English for you, inclined my ear, my heart was moved. I declared aloud. He heard in heaven. He said it's a now season. He declares and responds, and I take back. It moves my heart. I hear again, and I sow back. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And that process goes round. But then if you remember, for those of us, I never really gave this justice, the justice of which I should have given it last week, And I still feel I won't give it the justice that it needs, but I declare this again. Because I believe that this is a prophetic word to those in the house and those who will come into the house. And this is from Isaiah 49, verses 24 and 25. Again, sorry, we're still in recap mode, but it does you good. Can plunder be taken from the warrior? Brackets, the strongman, close brackets. Or captives be taken by the fierce? But this is what the Lord says, yes, captives will be taken from warriors, the strong man, and plunder retrieved from the fierce. I will contend with those who contend with you and your children I will save. The Lord gave us the picture of the precious things that have been consecrated for God that were found in the temple, the golden things, were taken into captivity at Babylon. They took it out and Belshazzar then turns around and starts to brag about the God of wood, the God of stone, how much greater it is than the God of Israel. And God remembers and the writing comes on the wall, today you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Today your kingdom has been taken from you. That which has been consecrated for the house of God will return from the house. Where the enemy has bragged, where the enemy has turned around and says, I've got your kids in so much, in addictions, in perversions, in whatever ums you want to put on there. God says, when the enemy declared it, I have already set something in motion that says, your children will return back to the house. Do you know what? We've lived with so long with our kids out, we don't think they're coming back. He's declaring different. I've got every reason to say, ah, yes, well, but it's this. Now they're settled in a relationship and they move to Guatemala and all the stuff. God has his ways of moving. If we understand nothing else, we must understand this. There is no distance in the spirit. Well, they used to live in Manchester and now they live somewhere else. So what? so what you know there's a wonderful thing we thank uncle steve uncle steve jobs for his wonderful technology i can sit in my hotel room in Moir, press a little button on my phone or ipad and i get a lovely little smiley face sometimes it's a smiley face anyway and Ange pops up on the other side not only is that technology brilliant it's free which is wonderful, because if you've ever made phone calls from hotel rooms, and it, never mind the other side of the world, you kind of just see your credit card going like that. It's going like that, isn't it? But we thank God that this technology, person can connect to person. I'm hours away, but within one or two seconds, the distance is covered. In the spirit, when we declare, there is no boundaries. This wall and ceiling can't hold what we're declaring. Amen. So those things are pushed out. We are living in the now season of God. If you want to convince yourself that it's going to be the season of God, he's going to get to the place of liking me, he's going to get to the place of someday he will do what he says he's going to do, then we misalign ourselves. Revelation 12, verses 10 and 11 declare this. Then I heard a voice in heaven say, now has come. When has it come? When has it come? You know, you sound like a bunch of cats there. It's not meow. Now has come. Let's have some strength with you this morning. I'm doing my best. Give me your best back. Now has come salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Now has come salvation, now has come power, now has come his kingdom, and now has come the authority of his Christ. Might come, could come, a week on Wednesday, book an appointment, Uh, I'm sorry the doctor can't see you this week, let's do it two weeks on Thursday, now has come. We're stepping into something new. This very four steps is the kingdom mandate, which has been released to you and I and to the church. Amen. Heaven has been waiting for the church to respond. And you know who the church is, don't you? Us. As Pastor Tony would say, us. We are the church. He waits for you to respond and come into position and say, yes, yes. To him, I hear, my heart is stirred, and I declare. Amen. We start to take a position of unhindered sights. Why is it unhindered? Because I moved from Percy Panda. Percy Panda has all the blockages. Like if I get Percy now and I stick him down here, but Percy, see, they're all breaking up now. They've all had a fallout. They'll get back together again. It'll be like uh, The Who. (laughs) You can't see. If you're sat in the back there, can you see Percy Panda? Can you see Percy Panda now? Mini Percy Panda. Yes? You have a position that when you're seated here, you have a position of unhindered sight. Why? Because you see what he sees from where he sees it. A man should not be caught up with the mundane things of life. It's what the scripture says, isn't it? We get caught up with all the, oh, the busyness of life. Oh, it's a bit crazy. I've got to take the dog to the vet. All of this crazy bit that keeps us busy. But when I'm here, all of the stuff, you know, all the stuff that's not important that becomes the most important thing in your life. Have you noticed that? If I said to you, uh, Jill, can we do something Tuesday? And you go, well, hang on a minute. I've got to bake some cakes. And I'm picking Lucy up from school. And we're just remembering that John's 33 almost now. So <laughs> your stuff just had his birthday and time just passes. And I don't know if I'm available. But I go, Jill, do you know what? I've just got two fantastic free tickets. The best show in town's on. It's right on the front row. You're there, Backstreet Pass. Backstreet. Backstage Pass. <laughs> Here's them tickets that I buy. <laughs> In all of this, you know she's moving making a cake. It's sorry, John, it was a birthday, but we celebrated that last week. And she will make room for what deems to be important, yeah. like you and I do. A ticket comes, I can be very busy, but if all of a sudden on Saturday afternoon, I've just got your VIP box down at Old Trafford with a meal, at, do you know my calendar's moving? Yeah. You know Dan's house is no longer important <laughs> because I'm going to go and do something else, yeah? God wants us to get to the place of said that when I speak, this is what you make room for. Yes. Paul, the apostle Paul says this. It says that I pray in the spirit on all occasions. Would that be again? Are we Bible? Yeah. He prays in the spirit on all occasions. Does that mean that he is speaking in tongues continually? So Chris says, "I uh, hey do, do You fancy a brew? Well, I'm going to Starbucks." He got everywhere. Jerusalem, it was everywhere, Starbucks. So he says, do you fancy a brew? And I go, "Uh, uh, yeah, Calagasita, I'll have a shandy. And uh, and a Bacardi. He hadn't a clue. He don't think Paul just walked around speaking in a foreign language, speaking in tongues. He's in the spirit because he's hearing the heart of God and he's praying back what God is saying. Now, again, I'll let you into a little secret. Kevin and I was having a conversation only a few weeks ago about praying in the spirit. He said, well, Phil... Because it's good, you know, if people do things you don't do, it's good to ask them, how do you do what you do so I can change what I do and get some of the results that you get? But if you do things and don't get results, I'm not asking you, I'm asking here, this side. Yeah, so it's always good to find out who does it and then help to model that. Again, the Apostle Paul says, imitate me. He didn't even point to Christ. He says, imitate me. Why? Because you can see me. And you can say, oh, well, I'm making it work. Find somebody to imitate. So we're talking about prayer, and Kev said, do you have, paraphrasing, long conversation this was, do you have like a shopping list that you pray, or how do you get into it, or blah, blah? Because sometimes I feel I start saying something, and then God interrupts, and I've got to say, God, shut up, because i have not finished yet. You know all them conversations that we have. And it was, no, to pray in the Spirit is this, that when I'm praying and I've set my heart in position... Holy Ghost, show me what's on your heart that I should pray today. If he's silent, carry on. If he's silent, carry on. But if he's not silent, instead of praying, me dog's at the vet and can I have that VIP pass? It's all right, you give him one to Jill, but where's mine? I'm saying, Lord God, this is what's on your heart. And I'm praying something that wasn't even in my spirit at the time. But he's communicating to me and saying, as you're here, I can whisper in your ear. Amen. Whispers, we launch again what he says. And as we launch what he says, it goes back into the throne room. Jesus said, they're praying what we're praying. We must move towards that because it's our heart they're picking up. Does that make sense? But here's your position of unhindered sight. We've already got marching orders. We already know what we should be doing. Shall I tell you what it is? Nice and simple. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel of the kingdom. Cast out demons. Heal the sick. Bring liberty to captives. Freedom to prisoners. Bring heaven down. Push the enemy back. Make no place for him. How tough's that? But I think we better stay here and try and find out what God's saying. Go into all the world, preach the gospel of the kingdom. And the reason that we don't do that and don't carry things outside of the house is because we never realize we're seated here. And because we don't realize we're seated here, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Why? Why? Because we don't understand position, we don't understand relationship, we don't understand authority, we don't understand that he's giving you the right to go. Go and be and go and do. No more excuses. 2 Corinthians 10 declares this, verses 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war as the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We do not wage war in the flesh. Remember the statement, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven is a declaration of war. So when they say, right, now you understand a war footing and that you've been called into the army. Yes? Yeah. You've been called into the army. The weapons you fight with are not your own intelligence, the words you will use, and who's the best in a scrap? It's not. There is are a spiritual download that God says, I will train you for war. Now, you do realise as soon as we make statements like that, it makes you sound slightly nuts. Because it seems to be completely everything that is alien to what the gospel would be in our portrayal of Jesus Christ. Meaning this. I read the scriptures that says, He trains my fingers for war, my hands for battle. With my God, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can leap over a wall. And with my God, I can bend a bow of bronze. All of that is alien To the picture of Jesus Christ, blue eyes, blonde hair. It's all going, there's a harmony moment going on. It's all like one of those and it's flicking through. And it's little Jesus, meek and mild. If that is your opinion and your perception of Jesus Christ, I will tell you, yes, you have met Jesus, but you have never met the Christ. The captain of the host, the captain of the army, the one on the white horse, the one whose story I love, when Joshua, full of beans, is all there. He's had his moment. Again, this is paraphrasing, we're condensing this down, the gospel according to Phil. So we read Joshua, and Joshua used to spend all his time in the presence of God when Moses was there. Was that right? So even when Moses left, Joshua stayed in the tent. Then Moses goes toes up, he dies. Moses is gone. And then Joshua was looking around going, now what? Because they gave him trouble. What are they going to give me? And the word of the Lord came. And have courage, be strong and courageous. And God tells him, I will be with you the same way that I'll be with Moses. So he steps out of the tent and going, man, do you know what? He is 10 foot, the full John Wayne walk is going on. Because he realizes his own position where he is in God. Yeah? So he steps out towards the battlefield you can imagine in there, hat on a jaunty angle, and he's got the whole walk going on, and he meets someone. And Joshua turns around and says, Oi, you know what? God's had a word with me. Are you for me or against me? And what is the response? Neither. You better get on my side. It's a Christophany. He meets Christ before Christ. And it says, there is no side. You better get on my side. Now, here's the thing. We're not going to look for war. We're not looking for a red under the bed. We're not looking to have a fight with everything that pops its head up inside of Drawsden and the wider vicinity. Yes? But the statements that we will make and make no room, you will be pressed back. In that pressing back, you must understand your spiritual position. I stand not because of how smart I am, how much I prayed this week, that I gave 11% and not 10%, that I watched three hours of God TV and I sent an offering to a missionary. It was only a packet of biscuits, but it's all I could afford. All of that doesn't change your position. Your position is there because of what he has done for us. But I just love it. The scripture, I think Em touched on it a few weeks ago, from 1 Chronicles 12, verses 1 and 2, said, These are the men who came to David at Ziglag. Whilst he was banished from the presence of Saul, son of Kish, they were among the warriors who helped him in battle. They were armed with bows and were able to shoot arrows or sling stones right or left-handed. They were the relatives of Saul, the Benjamites. These people are fully axmedic, well, yeah, axmere, whatever carpet you want in there, they were fully that. They could use right hand or left hand. Now, I don't know if you've ever done it. But sometimes if, say, Pastor Tony and I are out, we might find ourselves somewhere near a dartboard. And if you have a dartboard, we'll always go, let's have a game of darts. And I don't know why he ever goes, let's have a game of darts, because he never wins. But he always goes, he's a trier. God loves a trier. I'll have a game of darts. And we sometimes play this game called killer. Does anybody know what killer is? So for those of you who never live your life in the pub, it's all right. Get a life. Dart board is this. What you do is you throw a dart into the board and that's your number. So say you throw it and I hit a number 17. Tony has to get three double 17s to kill me. So every time you take a life by hitting the double. The thing is, when you go to throw, you have to throw with your left hand. Have you seen how coordinated Pastor Tony is? If he's going to throw, I'm going in the other bar. I might wait in a car park or anything, because it can be going anywhere. Never mind hitting a number, the wall would help, (laughs) right? So you launch it at the board, and hopefully, two or three times in, you might have hit something so you can start the game. These guys were so skilled, right-handed or left-handed, they're still taking your eye out. Right-handed or left-handed, these guys were brilliant. Now, it says that how good they were, some of the best were the Phoenicians. It said that if there was a bird in flight, they can take a bird out with a sling. You're going, that's pretty good. Now, remember, he trains my fingers for war, my hands for battle. Wouldn't it be absolutely fantastic if you and I, in the Holy Ghost, with the weapons of our warfare, we could use right-handed and left-handed, and I don't have to go and watch the Spartans to try and see how you have a scrap, but I might find that I'm quite useful in a fight as well. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be absolutely brilliant? But in Psalm 62 and verse 11, it declares this. One thing God has spoken, two things I heard. Power belongs to you. When the natural and the spiritual work hand in hand, something new opens for us. Like we said, wouldn't it be great to be like those people who you can see it and you've all got your six pack, even you ladies. You've got a six pack and you're all walking down the street and you can pull your sling out and you've got a sword on either side. And you go in a little bit, I don't want to get too facetious, but a Monty Python issue where somebody chops your arm off. You're going, it's all right, I've still got my other one. So I won't be restricted because I lost use of something. I can still be of use. Yes? So we've got the picture. But wouldn't that be brilliant if it was you and me? That in, as he trains us, as he works for us, I can still use right and left-handed. Wouldn't that be great? Okay, let's turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 3 to 7. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. In great endurance, in troubles, in hardship, in distress, in beating, in imprisonment, in writing, in hard work, sleepless nights, in hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness. The guy's not having a good day. I would like to think things spiritually might not be working, if I've got one, of these, one or two of these things working in me at any one time, I'm on a bit of an uphill struggle. I'm pushing water uphill. Look at everything that he says they go through. But he says, In the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in my right hand and in my left. Don't think God allows one thing here that he won't allow here, that if he trains them in battle do you think he's going to call you to the front line and leave you there with a spoon and a bucket and spade we said, right now this could be, because you know our health and safety culture and church culture, that we're not going to hurt anybody and we can't be offensive in any way so what we're going to do, we're going to send you out Chris and we're going to give you a pair of round nose scissors because we can't run with scissors in the church building because you might have someone's eye out Health and safety goes crazy. And God turns around and says, when I call you into position, not only do I sit you in the right place, I empower and equip for the job. Yeah. Do, your ho- home. do your own homework of whatever the weapons of righteousness are. So what we said is our starting position is here. He trains me. He equips me. He calls me into, the, into position, yes? Yes? The whole place of learning intimacy, learning to walk with the Father, intimacy breaks down really, really easy. Into me, see. If you don't want God to be intimate, don't ask the question. God, I desire, what some of the kids say, oh, desire to know him better. Into me, see. I'm not happy with that. Lisa, I'm not happy with how that's going. But I like that bit. Look, don't ask me if you don't want me to deal with it. And he points those things out. So here's a great thing, and we see the heart of God. In all major religions, you must perform to get to where God is. So either... I deny myself, I do works, I beat myself, whatever, to try and get to wherever my God is. Even if you're a Jehovah's Witness, I must work my way into heaven. Yes, it's all about works. Jesus Christ came down from the throne to where you are so that you could connect with him, so that he could turn you around and take you back to the throne. It wasn't about how can you get to heaven. Heaven came to you first. Do you know God's intention? This is something which I thought was absolutely awesome. God's intention has never changed. What do I mean by that? He made man. He makes man knowing that he's going to mess up. Correct? Because Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. He knew that when he made the angelic, Satan would still rebel. Yes? But he made it anyway. So he has this position of saying, right, I have a family in heaven, the angelic. I have a family here on earth, you and I, who are not only made in his image, he's formed us by his hand and breathed into us the very breath of God. Yes? There is a value structure in you and I. He leaves the throne room To come and walk in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam. Yes, he's coming to fellowship. He leaves the throne. After the fall of man, Jesus Christ has to return again to be that bridge between God and man. Because we know we had a surrogate way, which was the sacrifice of animals that paved the way for a period of time. But it only appeased him. It didn't clear it once and for all. The blood of Jesus and the sacrifice he made did. But now we're in a position where God says, my intention was still to walk amongst them. My intention is still to have intimacy. My intention is still to have fellowship. What do we say? That's Bible? Well, let's back it up. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 6. Should I should say verse 16, sorry. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Percy Panda. Yeah, he makes his home inside of us. As God has said, I will live amongst them and I will walk amongst them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Living the days of heaven on earth are not some kind of far out mad idea and concept that is suddenly being thrown into the church. God is saying that when you realize the intention was I wanted closeness and intimacy that I created in the garden when I made you in the first place. I've now seated you in Christ here so that you have my heart and I have your ear. I respond that circle round. Why, for my intention is to still be made known to mankind as I walk with you and live with you. The scripture would say that we are ambassadors of Christ, wouldn't we? And through us, the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ spreads everywhere. Do you remember when I told you last year that when there was that situation on the bus where the guy was really disfigured and I kind of looked at my toes because you thought, I want to pray for him. But you look and think there's nothing here. And the spirit of God says, why do you misrepresent me? When I'm seated here, I understand my position. I'm capturing his heart. I'm saying yes to him. He wants to walk through us with us. He wants to demonstrate his life through me. I have, you have no more excuses. Start somewhere. Today, I don't feel good enough today because I said this or I did that or I didn't read. Or I only, the only scripture I've read this week is the one on the fridge that says gluttony is a sin and I'm pulling out another three bags of Mars bars and <laughs> the only scripture I read was that these all the things that I want to think will disqualify me. He seated me here and he seated you here and has changed our position. What goes up must come down and what is down must go up. Because he's looking to live, demonstrate, and model his life through you. Back to Percy. Sorry, keep poor Percy's having a sleep. Percy's on the floor. Inside of me lives the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They are clamoring to get out. They're clamoring to get out. But again, because of the system, we believe that God clamors to get out in here. That when we're all together on a Sunday morning, God is clamoring to get out. God is waiting to bring a word. God is waiting for a word of encouragement. He's waiting for Paige to get up and she's going to prophesy next week. Well done, Paige. It's got all of these bits that we're waiting for in this environment for God. If I stir him up enough, he'll do something. And he said, I said I want to walk amongst them. Yeah. Revelation says that Jesus Christ walks amongst the candlesticks. Yeah. Yes? Now, it's a wonderful thing. I'm sure my time's gone. I'm not going to watch, but I'll check my wonderful clock. Yes, now I've got two minutes. In my two minutes wrap-up, if you see it, Jesus Christ, it says in Revelation, walks amongst the candlesticks. Yes, is that Bible? not going to turn to it because we've not got time, but Jesus walks amongst the candlesticks. Who are the candlesticks? The churches are the candlesticks. So he's walking amongst them. The very fact of this scripture, I will live and walk amongst them. Why don't we get to the next chapter? That wonderful scripture that we use in every gospel service. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will enter in and I will live with him and sup with him. Yes, and I'll have fellowship. You realize he's talking to the church, that in one chapter from being in them, he's now on the outside knocking going, excuse me, don't you think I better be where you say that I am? Isn't it amazing as well that all of the scripture that you read in the book of Revelation, let's close this up. All of the scripture that you read in the book of Revelation when it's speaking about the churches and to the church of Ephesus, I would say this, but I would have this against you. And the church of Tyreteria and all the other ones. You get all of the different churches are all of the churches that Paul had established. Now read something on our timeline for all of us who would be a studier of the word. Paul is alive, he, doesn't, he knows of Christ, he sees Christ, but he was never a disciple. But later, he becomes the apostle of Jesus Christ, yes? And he's around at the time of the other apostles. Would we say that's right? Because he goes to Jerusalem to put his doctrine before the apostles. So there's not a massive timeline difference between Paul and the original disciples. Who is the one who wrote the book of Revelation? John. The disciple whom Jesus loved. So in the life of John and the life of Paul that run parallel, by the time that Paul is executed in Rome, to John being on Patmos, the church was already lost. We are not talking hundreds and thousands of years the two walk parallel but johnny's writing i have this against you how you lost your first love blah blah once they'd stop being led and stop connecting to the head he's banging on the door trying to get back in to the church that paul had spent all his life seeing established this much time not that so god wants his church back What did we say? He made it the way he wanted it. Now he wants it the way he made it. And I'm sorry if it's uncomfortable for you and if it's uncomfortable for me. We live in a now season and that means you. Did you see it this week? The wonderful tributes and everything of World War I, 100 years. I was reminded again and I thought, I'm going to go and get one. I am. I'm going to get one. As nothing else to talk to myself. And on this, we're finished. Do you remember what the law was that when they used to come out and they do the rallying cry in the little villages of Barnsley or wherever it was, and entire villages went off to fight? That they turn around, is that you would walk through and they say, Now there is a call, Lisa, to action. Are you gonna sign up? And she said, Well, I'll think about it. I'll go and have a word with Dave. Lisa, are you signing up? Yes, I'm signing up. Well, you came forward, and not only did you write your name on a piece of paper. They turned around and said, now we're going to give you something. And Lisa was given the king's shilling. Once you accepted the king's shilling, there's no turning back. You and I have accepted more than the king's shilling. Good days, bad days, and different. If I was some kind of commentator... On whether the blessing of God was with you, he wasn't with Paul. In hardship, in trouble, in beating, in hunger, in all those things he said, yeah? And all those things he declared, God was still with him. He took the shilling. For you and I, not only do we take our position, we now take responsibility. So that he can walk with and live through. You and me. It's not about how good you were. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about how much scripture you think you know, don't know. It's not about how many memory verses you have. The moment you accepted Jesus Christ, he seated you here and he says, now you're the life I want to use. I'm going to flow through. Thank you, the three of you who agreed with that. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I understand this morning that the pace has been quite quick and we've said an awful lot of things. So again let me encourage you just get the CDs, listen to them. But again take it back to the father and say, "My God, I need to see that my position has changed." Your position hasn't changed. Your position was always the position. My understanding of the position changed. Revelation come. I incline my ear, I move my heart, and I declared aloud. Do we dare start to pray? My God, if you're in me, you walk with me. It's time to live through me. And then watch the testimonies change. Come on, church, let's just raise our holy hands. Father God, we just pray this morning that, Lord, we thank you as you're leading us into truth by your Holy Ghost. And we pray this morning, Lord God, we thank you for a distinct generation that is rising that models righteousness Lord God, Father, we thank you that you made us righteous before we made a choice to step that way. And Lord God, I pray this morning in Jesus' name that you will just show off in every life that is represented here. Lord God, I pray that you'll challenge us by the Holy Ghost, that the things we did naturally when we first got saved, when we were so full of unction, of laying hands on the sick, of declaring your name, of telling of the truth, of declaring your goodness, of bringing the message of hope and reconciliation to prisoners and captives. Lord God, Father, we pray, let them days be here again. Let us witness and experience the days of heaven on earth. My God, Father, as your army, as your people, as the sons and daughters of the living Christ, we take our position, we take our responsibility we say yes to you and we move towards the front lines we say Lord God Father have your way amongst us but Lord God I pray let this be a house of awesome testimonies of lives transformed of lives healed of breakthrough of deliverance and a people who know their God and a people who are strong and do exploits and the people of God said amen